0: Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. Hey, good morning. Good afternoon and good evening on this first podcast of 2024. Hope and pray you had a good end to 2023 and a good start thus far for 2024, however, you started. And uh, truly blessed to be with you here and really blessed and honored, humbled by the texts and the responses so far from folks who are doing the devotional Bible study called The Person and the Power. I just so appreciate the text and the encouraging words. Hey, thanks for pushing me or challenging me to dig in deeper. Here's what I've learned, and here's what I gleaned today. And Man, keep those coming. Seriously, they are so encouraging. You know, I've said this before. The only motivation for writing that book was so that people could truly understand the person and the power of the the third person of the Holy Trinity, of the very person who lives within them. Uh, the, the person and the power of the Spirit of God living and dwelling within them. And and so, 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 so many, as I speak and talk and just listen and counsel and, and pray with, it they just haven't quite, it, it's not there yet. There's not this understanding or realization. And that doesn't make, we've said this before, it doesn't make all of life easy. It doesn't make all of the hardships of life go away. Heavens, no. But I think what it does do is give us this incredible sense of awe, and also this real sense of Emmanuel, God with us. That's not just a Christmas theme. Emmanuel is now a living reality throughout the rest of our days because of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity, whom the Father promised, the first person, and whom was and is the spirit of the second person. It's the very spirit of Christ, right? So, I mean, this this beautiful working of the Trinity. So, love you guys so much and truly humbled and honored and appreciate all the encouragement. And uh, speaking of the Trinity, I want to continue to invite you and challenge you to keep finding examples of shalosh. Shalosh is that Hebrew term that means three, not the number, but the concept. So, I really, I've seen a lot of ads for the Olympics here lately. And you've got the Olympic, uh you know, the gold medal and the silver medal and the bronze medal. And uh, there's three rings, right? I think, yeah, there's three rings to the Olympic um, symbol or the Olympic logo. So uh, just a lot of things I keep, I continue to see threes. I just can, I see a lot of sevens too. I see sevens and I see threes. And I know some of that is, you know, you buy a new car and now you see that brand of car everywhere and all that. But Man, I just really would encourage us to continue to be on the lookout of shaloshas and seven sevenoshes. No, uh, sevens, sevens and threes. Shaloshes and th- and sevens, because I think God's uh, God really wants to kind of help us pay attention. I think the Holy Spirit within us helps us do that, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be that activator. And um, I love the word in Hebrews, and we'll, uh, this is actually uh, from a devoted that is uh, coming soon near you. So just make sure people know um, we have a devoted uh, video that comes out every Tuesday. If you're interested, it's five minutes long, about five minutes long. And right now we're working through the book of Hebrews. And it's a five-minute devotional uh, with a video devotional. Again, working verse by verse or a few verses at a time in the book of Hebrews. We're in Hebrews 10. And uh, I'll just give you this sense, this initiator, the Holy Spirit's the initiator, well, one of the words that the Book of Hebrews uses is agitator. Yeah, kind of like an agitator and a washer in a washing machine. You know, that shakes things up, shakes all the dirt out. Come on, pretty good stuff. But anyway, um, and then Friday, of course, the podcasts and uh, the book, and we're doing Bible studies. And if you're interested, we've got video. We've got video Bible studies about 45 minutes long, perfect for small groups. And we have Bible study. Questionnaires, and we have booklets that are put together as well, or at least uh, we can send you, you know, the information to put together booklets for all the questions that go along with the Bible studies. Usually, a four-week Bible study. So, just we just want to get the word out and get help people understand, uh, and really appreciate and really embrace the person and the power. Speaking of, let's do that right now. Let's jump into Gideon. Uh, Judges 6, uh, this great story of Gideon. I don't know how long, I don't know how far we'll get to. I hope we get to all the ch- the whole, through the whole chapter. There's a ton in here. Um, and I just, again, we try to keep these podcasts to right around 25 minutes. And so we'll be good with that time as always. But man, there's there's a ton of stuff. So Lord, by your grace and by your power, will you expedite the time? And will you illuminate our minds? And will you... Engage our spirits with great stuff here from your word, of course, and all empowered by your spirit, the author of the word of God, the inspirer of the word of God. So we love you. We thank you. We trust you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Judges six, guys, let's read through it. I'll be reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation. And so let's read through it here and we'll stop. We got to set the context. The verse of the verse, the big verse is, I'm going to read the verse. Let's go all the way to Judges 6:34, all the way pretty far down. Lots happened. A lot has happened before this happens, but let's just get to the main, the main thrust of it real quick and we'll come back and we'll finish at least come back to it we may even that may be where we finish although there's a couple things after that as well but let's look at this verses uh, verse 34 then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet summoning the Abrazites to follow him so um the uh the the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and there's a lot happens here before that as we get to from from verse 1 to verse 34 but the key is that this is the Ruach, uh, uh, Ruach HaKadosh, Ruach HaKadosh, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord. So this is the Holy Spirit, finding the Holy Spirit in the, uh, in the Old Testament. All right. So that's the verse that we're working toward. All right. Keep that in mind. Keep that kind of in your left hand or your right hand, whichever one you want to. And then we'll work with the other hand here as we jump in. So let's start verse 1. We'll read to verse 6 real quick and we'll kind of help understand the context. So understand there's a couple of context points here really important. Context is what everything, and I'm serious about that. And that's why in this Bible study, and the person and the power devotional Bible study, in that Bible study is so critically important because I, I, we invite you to dig in, dig in the culture, dig in to who the people are, dig in to uh, understanding um, uh, the, the the cities at the time, the, the everything, because context is not just the where the scripture happens. It's actually the whole context of how it was written and to whom it was written. And and we've got to handle the word rightly. Amen? This is what Paul tells Timothy. We've got to handle the word correctly. And for us to to call ourselves Christians is not just simply relying on His grace. Because we can quickly lazify His grace. Right? We can quickly lazify His grace. But part of that grace is, is to employ that and apply that to really intentional Bible study. Really deep digging in. Not not superficial. We need to know everything we can about everything we can know and we leave the rest to God. But we can't be lazy about that. That's why the Joshua Center class is starting. Uh, if you're interested in the Joshua Center, it is a training center specifically geared to help people understand what it does mean to be Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. So we focus uh, a lot on understanding uh, how the Spirit works in our lives, how the Spirit leads us to do the will of the Father, and how the Spirit transforms us to be more like Christ. So first person, second person, third person of the Trinity. But uh, this year, we are looking at how to interpret and study the Bible. The entire year class, how do you study the Bible? and interpret the Bible rightly. There's a lot of interpretations of the Bible. I'm not talking about translations necessarily. I'm talking about interpretations. And those things are going to make or break you. It's, it, right? It's going to either sink or sell you. And, and you've got to really know how to interpret the Scripture. How do you do that? One of the very first things, it's got to be supernatural. But the second, one of the things has got to be contextual. It's got to be supernatural and it's got to be Contextual you got to know context. So here we go. So the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's a common theme in the book of Judges. And, and confession here, Judges is my least favorite book in the entire Bible. Uh, doesn't mean I don't believe it. Doesn't mean I don't uh, read through it. It just means I don't like it because there's a lot of ugly, hard stuff in the book of Judges. But here, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again, a common theme. And for seven years, seven years, There's that word, there's that seven again. And that seven means completion and fullness. So for the full time... He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. That means they were scattered. Where, where, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. Why? Because they came in and plundered and pillaged their crops. So they took... So, kind of interesting, um, this is what sin does. So, we got to understand, Israel's in sin, and... And the Midianites and the Amalekites, they come in to take, and other eastern countries, they come in and take what Israel planted. That's what sin does. Sin robs you of your fruit. Sin robs you of things that you should glean for yourself. That's what sin does. And that's what's happening here. Verse 4, They camped on the land and burned the crops uh, all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So, Couple of things uh, interesting. Midianites were known for their use of camels in warfare and also in just their, their wide use of camels. Um, and and it, in fact, they were one of the, in that culture, they were one of the most well known for use of camels, especially in warfare. And they were very, they were very imposing. Um, a camel, you know, is slow and kind of. You know, the walking. I'm kind of acting. I'm moving my neck, so I'm kind of acting like a camel. But, but that's not the case here. When they saw all these camels, the camels can run, and especially, and they used them in warfare. The Midianites did. But look at this, verse six. Midian was so impoverished the Israelites that they could cried out for help with. Uh, they cried out to the Lord for help. Sometimes, amen. Whew, this is hard. But sometimes the Lord allows Midianites in our lives if we're crying out for something else to help instead of him, if we're in sin of idolatry, if we're in sin and we're not paying attention to God, if we are leaning away from God when we should be leaning toward him, sometimes the Lord will allow Midianites in our lives. Why? One purpose. So we will cry out to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. So I don't, I don't believe uh, in, in, um, in uh, strict predestination the way that I think some folks might. Uh, I believe in a very very I believe in a wonderful, beautiful mystery of free will and God's sovereignty. God's perfect sovereignty, man's very imperfect and usually sinful free will. And so I believe in both. but somewhere in there is this sense that sometimes God does send things into our lives to help us bring him bring us back down. All right. So the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sends him a prophet. And we'll skip around just a little bit. And the prophet, in verses 8 through 10, declares that he's going to send someone to rescue them from the hand of the oppressors. I'm going to send someone to you, all right? Uh, and I've already rescued you. I've already driven them out. I'm, I'm going to, But you've now listened to me, he says. This is the prophet says. So we don't know who this prophet is. There's a lot of guesses. But, but right now, we don't know that. But we do know who the, the, the quote, human deliverer is going to be. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord, now I'll talk, we'll come back to that in just a second, came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joaz, the Abysserite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, You all know this, right? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior." So, a couple things. This is the deliverer, Mighty Gideon, uh, hiding in a wine press, uh, uh, threshing wheat. When you thresh wheat, you're supposed to be on the top of a high mountain. Uh, Everyone can see you, but the reason you're on a high mountain is because you're crushing the the wheat stalks and the wheat kernels. And when you throw everything up into the air, uh, taking a pitchfork, picking a shovel, and you throw it up into the air, the wind from the high mountain will drive away the chaff, the chaff, the the, the drive away all the, the, the chaff and the the, the stalk, the pieces and parts of the stalk that have been beaten, and the heavier part now, which is the kernel, the grain, will fall down. That's how you would thresh wheat. So here he's in a wine press, which is a sunken in, dug in type of, um, uh, of, of uh, uh, kind of a structure. So that, and basically he was doing that. Why? He was hiding from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord, who is that? We believe it's Jesus. We believe it's a theophany, T H uh, E O P H A N Y, a theophany, and that means an appearance of God. We have lots and lots and lots and lots of those. Uh, I've told you how many times the Ruach Hakadosh is mentioned in the Old Testament. Ruach Hakadosh, uh, it's mentioned 377 times. The Ruach Hakadosh. So the Holy Spirit appears at least 377 times, apparently, in the script in the Old Testament. And so we're just kidding. we're just hitting a few of them. Um, that word ruach. So, so here, the angel of the Lord, we believe to be Jesus. There's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, no man can see the Father and live. No man can see the Father. No man has ever seen the Father. Jesus even says that to his disciples in the book of John. The Spirit is invisible. The Holy Spirit is invisible. That may, that leaves only one person who has can put on flesh and has taken on flesh. See, we believe Jesus took on flesh before he took on flesh Ooh, as a baby. But he was never fully flesh and fully God at the same time until the baby. Did you know that? He's taken on flesh before. Here's this is another time. Here's a time he took on flesh. He, the, the pre-incarnate Christ, meaning he had been incarnated, but not fully man, fully God. Only one time was he fully man, fully God. And that was as a baby and growing up into a man to be crucified. So, anyway, so here we go. Um, Look at this, verse 13. This is kind of one of the key phrases. In the NLT it says, pardon me, my Lord. Say that with me. Pardon me, my Lord. Say it one more time. Pardon me, my Lord. Pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Fair question. We don't have the time to answer that. But why has all this happened to us? Now, we know the answer kind of is verses 1 through 6, right? It's happened because you've sinned. Why are all his wonders, why are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about, uh, where, I'm sorry, where are all his wonders, when they when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us, us in the land of Midian. I love verse 14 because God, the Lord, the, the angel, the Lord, and this is why we know it's the, the angel of the Lord is the Lord now. So so you know this the angel of the Lord and then the Lord. So that's how we believe that this is, this is, this is the, a person of the Trinity, and we believe it's the second person. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? You know what he didn't do? He didn't answer Gideon's question. He, Gideon's specific question was, <laughs> is, "Is what? why is all this happening? He's not answering the question. Don't you love it? The, the Lord will answer your questions sometimes. Sometimes. He won't answer all your questions the way you want them to all the time. But he will always answer you. (laughs) He just won't answer the way you want to sometimes. He'll just say, am I not sending you? So the Lord turned him and doesn't answer him. And look at this verse 15. This actually appears four times. It's it's actually spoken into this three to twice in the NLT. But this Hebrew phrase, pardon me, my Lord. There it is again. Pardon me, my Lord. Say again, pardon me, my Lord. Get in reply. but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family—weakest and least. Anybody out there ever feel weak? Anybody ever out there feel least of these? Man, man, man. Um, I've been a hard season here uh, with with some um, with an eye issue. Uh, finally, praise God! I think we're finally on the tail end of that thing. Um, I've had a couple other issues that've been just uh, just battling through. And in this in, in, and I have felt weak at times I have not been the strongest that I've always been I felt like I've felt weak and and I'm telling you it's not fun but this is when sometimes God wants to use you and I don't I don't even like that sometimes come on God can't you use me in my strength sometimes he has to use you in your weakness amen all right so uh, pardon me. Uh, the Lord answers, I will be with you. Now, he kind of does answer the question for, for Gideon here. I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, I think the next part is fair. Gideon replies, okay, if I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. I think it's okay. I think this is legit. I think this is legit where Gideon says, okay, give me a sign. Confirm something to me. Um, don't go away. I'm coming right back. I'm going to bring my offering. And the Lord said, "I will wait until you return." Okay. So Gideon goes inside, prepares a young goat. It takes some time, and from uh, and, and from an ephah, a flour, he made bread without yeast. So here he is making a dinner, putting the meat in the basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. Um, now you see this also happening uh, with Abram, uh, with when the three visitors and we believe the three visitors all the way back in Genesis may have been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit manifested in the flesh somehow or another. We don't. I mean. I don't know how all that works. And yes, I just, I just said, no one has seen the Father. And yet, at the same time, that's just, you know, he's, yeah, don't have time to go into Genesis. We've talked about this before if you've been around my teaching and preaching. But you look at that Hebrew, and it's very clear. Abraham calls him, my Lord. And there's three people. <laughs> so anyway, anyway. So, um, uh, but so Gideon goes and prepares. And so the angel of God, again, still the Lord, uh, so it goes back and forth, alternates. The angel of the Lord, angel of God, the Lord. Verse 20, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Boom! Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he explained. He exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face face but the Lord said to them peace do not be afraid you are not going to die so uh, again there's this fear and uh, we just finished the sermon series here at the church fear not there's a lot of fear sometimes when we meet the Lord all right so Gideon builds an altar and right there he should have known at that point boom the Lord is he's in charge of all this right and that same night look at verse 25 I love this the same night he's asking the Lord has asking Gideon to go throughout the the, the, the area and tear down your father's altars to Baal and cut down the asherah poles. Wow. And and so he does. So verse 27, Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and his town people, he did it at night rather than daytime. That may have been strategic. I know sometimes we kind of give Gideon a hard time, but hey, I'm, I, I'm thinking, you know, just like sometimes I'm Peter, sometimes I'm Gideon, you know. Um, sometimes it's a little scary. In the morning, the people of the town, verse 28, uh, they got up, and there's Baal's altar demolished, and there's Asher's pulled beside it, cut down. And the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar, and they asked, who did this? And as they carefully investigated, they were told, you know, you're never going to do anything in private, right? Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son, he must die. But Joash said in verse 31, are you going to plead Baal's case? If he's God, basically, if he's God, can't Baal Kind of figure this out himself, right? Can he do it himself? And 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 so they decide that was what they would do. Now look at verse 33. Here's where we get to it. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Here they are. We see this in verses 1 through 6. The context has been set. This is what they've been doing for years now, the last seven years now. This might be the seventh year. But, uh, because this is what this is going to be the last time they do it for a while. But here they are; they're back in their old habits that they've been doing. And then verse thirty-four: Then the spirit of the Lord Ruach Hakadosh came on Gideon. He blew a trumpet, summoning the Aborazites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout the Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also the Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. What you don't know, and what you do kind of remember, is if you go to Gideon, if you go to Judges seven. Somehow or another, uh, there's a lot of response to this trumpet because thirty-two thousand people showed up to fight. Now you know that got pared down, right? You know the 20, thirty You know this is a famous story. We may or may not get a chance to look at that, but but go ahead and read Judges seven. Great story, right? But the thirty-two thousand um, got got whittled down to three hundred, and. Um, I loved how my daddy used to tell that story cuz he talked about how the Israelites would, la- you know, those who got down and kind of lapped up like a dog, you know, they were they weren't paying attention to their surroundings, but those who were kind of on one knee and cupped it with their hands and watching, those were the ones that God said, "No, I want them." And that stuck out to me for years. I mean, my daddy told that story and but look at this, verse 34, the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. We've said before, the the spirit of God appears all over the Old Testament. And he shows up just at the time to give Gideon what? Incredible leadership. He gives him the ability. He's not a leader at the time. He's a, he, he thinks he's a coward. He thinks he's the weakest. He's saying, he thinks he's the least. So look what happens. The father, the, 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 the angel of the Lord says, mighty warrior. And then the Spirit of God comes upon him to make him so. So the second person, we believe, prophesies to Gideon, you're going to be a mighty warrior. And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes Gideon a mighty warrior. Amen? I don't know where you have to fight. I don't know where you're leading people. I don't know where the Lord wants to, has already maybe declared you to be something. But I will say this. If the Lord has spoken into your life, this is what you're going to do and this is who you're going to be, it will be the Spirit of God, the Ruach HaKadosh, that will make that come to pass. The Trinity works in unity. Say that. The Trinity works in unity. There is perfect, beautiful unity in the Trinity. And if one person of the Trinity has spoken to you through the Word of God or through a prophetic word or in your own prayer life, then it will be the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, that will come upon you, fill you, and continue to fill you to make that come to pass. that makes sense? Gideon was declared a warrior as he was hiding in a wine press. Here in verse 34... That's when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and truly makes him into that warrior leader. His trumpet call has, has now summoned and and engaged and motivated 32,000 men from, from all over. Come on. That's amazing leadership, and the Holy Spirit does that. Now, we have to just finish up here with 36 through uh, 40, and and... You know, there's that fleece, right? You you know, Gideon can't be, the story of Gideon can't be told without the fleece, right? So Gideon says, okay, if you want to save Israel by my hand, look, I'm going to place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. We're back on that threshing floor, aren't we? Amazing, isn't it? We started in the threshing floor, we finished with the threshing floor here in chapter six. But if only there is dew on the fleece and all the ground's dry, then I'll know that you will save Israel by my hand. Guess what happened the very next morning? Exactly. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the, the dew. It was a bowl full of water. But then Gideon said, okay, don't be angry with me. Here's look Look at this. In verse 36 and 37 and verse 39, guess what he's saying? Yep, it's the Hebrew of pardon me, Lord. Pardon me, Lord. Don't be angry with me. Pardon me. But just can I make one more request? Now we're going to reverse the test on the fleece. And can you do it again? Listen. Sometimes we have to pardon ourselves before the Lord. Our lack of faith, our fear, and our own weakness. But even as we pardon ourselves, the Spirit of God, in His grace and mercy and power, enables us and empowers us to be the leaders He's called us to be. So pardon all the way, but also let the Holy Spirit fill you and use you. Amen. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Frimmer's Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.